Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Full Court Podcast. We had to come back on a fucking banger because, I guess, let them know what happened today, bro. All right, all right, guys, it's been a minute, but today we had to come back because Damian Lillard is no longer a Portland Trailblazer. Are you kidding me? The Greek freak and Dame Time in Cream City? (laughs) And he's not on the Heat, unfortunately for Dame. But in my opinion... he got traded to be the Heat's rival. Yeah. Yeah. That Bucks and Heat rivalry is going to get even more intense. Yeah. And what's crazy is that um, Butler and the Heat knock off the Bucks in the first round. And the Heat have all this... All this momentum to get Dame, and the Bucks say swoop, and they just come in and intercept that shit. And Damian Lillard is in Milwaukee. That's crazy. I I, yeah. I thought I just thought he was going to like die a blazer, bro. Like he was just going to like, uh, or I, and then you just start thinking about all the teams that he could be on: the Heat, the Nets, different the teams. Sixers, the Sixers, the Bucks, definitely. Definitely did not come to mind when I thought of potential suitors. And what's crazy is that Drew Holiday, the day before he gets traded, was telling the media that he would uh, he will he wants to retire as a Buck. And the Bucks said, "Fuck that." Get, that's get him all here. PR. You can tell us everything, everything that's behind the scenes. Like, why would Drew Holiday tweet that out, say that randomly? You know. But man. Like, I, I agree with you. I definitely think Dame Milwaukee was a good scenario in my head, but I never thought it was possible because the, the Bucks don't have any draft picks because they traded for Drew Holiday <laughs> using those draft picks. But yeah, let's break down, let's break down this trade. Dame. Let's break down this trade a little bit. So the Suns give up DeAndre Ayton. He goes to the, the Blazers. Um, uh, and the Blazers give up Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, Nasir Little, Keon Johnson, and a first rounder, and they get in return. Uh, fuck, I'm fucking this up. They got uh, Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, a rookie that. Oh, do you know his name? Uh, uh, Tamara Kamara. Tamara Kamara, a 29, uh, 2029 first round pick, and two pick swaps with from the Bucks. And the Bucks give up Allen and Drew Holiday. The Bucks didn't really give up too much to get Damian Lillard when you really think about it. No, and they I think, absolutely did not. And I think I think they got him at a discount. Well, when you look at the total package going back to the Blazers, DeAndre Ayn, no matter what you think of him, he still is a valuable asset because he's not overpaid like a lot of players at his position. I think he's properly paid, maybe a slight overpay. But he's also still an extremely young talent. And not to forget, he was the first overall pick. And I feel like this is a scenario where like the first pick just needs to be somewhere different. And maybe Portland is a place where he can finally be the be a place where number one pick can succeed. Yeah, and, and he didn't look happy on the Suns. You know, he wanted to go. Uh, he, he signed with the Pacers uh, on a max deal. And the Suns match it last second after not wanting to pay him. And uh, a big thing with his... Uh, a big thing over the last year was his effort. A lot of people said that his effort was not there on the defensive side of the floor and on the offensive side, him being a seven-footer but being kind of soft. It's interesting to see, now that he has a new um, change of scenery, how he's going to uh, 
how he's going to play. And you, I, you, we talked a little bit before we started recording. You told me um, this Blazers team is looking to rebuild. But I do have a question for you. Giving away a lot of their young talent in Nasir Little and Keon Johnson and a first-round pick and still having actually just re-signing Jeremy Grant and and having um who's that rookie? I'm so Scoot Henderson. Scoot Henderson and Chris Murray. Don't forget Chris, Chris Murray. Murray. Chris Murray <laughs> and bringing in now a solidified starter, all-star, sorry, in Drew Holiday and a solidified starter in DeAndre Ayton. Do you think maybe they're thinking about pushing for the playoffs instead of completely blowing it up and rebuilding? I don't think that's a smart idea from an organization standpoint. Just because you built your entire franchise around one player for so long and that player is gone now, there is a void in the organization. You can't just expect to bounce back from that in just one season. You have to give time for for everyone to know their role, find out what assets you have as a team, and figure out how to get get out of that Jeremy Grant contract. Because that is a huge overpay for someone who thought he was going to be playing with Damian Lillard. And down the line, like... Drew Holiday is not safe on his team. He knows where organization is going. Woj even put out a tweet saying that the Blazers are looking for a new home for Drew Holiday. So, And there's going to be a lot of assets that come from Drew Holiday. He has two years left on his contract, and he still proves that he's one of the best defensive guards in the league. And come around trade deadline time, if there's a contender that needs a defensive-minded point guard, they're going to look for the Blazers for Drew Holiday. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that any team could use. You know, like... He can fall into that two slot. He doesn't have to be the point guard. He can guard threes. He can guard fours. He can guard one through four. Uh, I mean, shit, he could probably guard a couple of centers in the league. He's one of the best on-ball defenders. That is another thing I wanted to bring up with you, Angus. The Bucks, they get one of the most talented scores the league has ever seen in Damian Lillard. But they also give up one of their, if not their best defender. So now they lack backcourt defense but they gain backcourt offense and they still have Brooke, Hol- Brooke Lopez almost had, almost said Brooke Holiday uh Brooke Lopez <laughs> and and the defensive player of the year or former defensive player of the year in Giannis but I think what you're going to have to see the offense is going to be prolific but the defense is something where I'm thinking like so much of this team is going to be based around offense um, just because Dame's there now and Drew's gone. I want to see Giannis step up. I'm challenging Giannis to step up on the defensive side of the floor. And also... Win a third step... Defensive Player of the Year award? Win a third one? That would be crazy. That would be crazy. That's what they need. And they still have Brooke Lopez, who was in the... He was in the conversation for Defensive he Player was of the Year up. last year. Yeah, which was is a, crazy. Was was a near all-star last season. Let's not forget. Yeah. So I want to see those two really step up. And I want it's interesting to see. I I want to see who is going to be that number one option. Is it going to be Giannis because technically this is still his team? Or is it going to be Dame? Because who's more talented on the offensive floor? It's pretty obvious. This is Damian Lillard. But is Giannis yes. going to be able to take a step back? Yes, he is. Giannis has been able to take a step back in the past. We saw him in 2021 when he realized Chris Middleton has a hot hand. He let Chris Middleton take over in some of the That's Nets true. games. He let Chris Middleton take over against the Suns. Giannis is a player that wants to win. He knows what it takes to win. He knows the amount of sacrifices he has to make. And he's an ultimate team player. He's kind of like Jokic in that, in that regard. 
And, like, speaking to your point about losing defense, like, sure, you lose defense to Damian Lillard, but you gain something that the muck, the Bucks lacked. The, you, the Bucks lacked instant offense. They always needed someone to get things going. Middleton had to get things going for Giannis to get things going. And uh, under Budenholzer, uh, that offense looked so stagnant, and especially during crunch time in the playoffs. They went scoreless in the last three minutes in Game 5 against the Heat. That's how the Heat was able. To, how the Heat were able to force overtime in in uh, that first round series last season. Even though you you're losing his defense, Drew Holiday became inefficient on offense because he was putting so much effort on defense. And now you have to rely on a team defense system from first year head coach Adrian Griffin, who comes with the Nick Nurse coaching tree. So you know you know he knows how to coach defense. He comes yeah. from Nick Nurse's coaching staff, and the Bucks are great team defensive team Giannis is an ultimate help defender Brooke Lopez is an excellent rim protector and then the third starter whether it be Pat Connaughton and Jay Crowder will probably be on their best player there and funneling uh opponents in the paint for Giannis or Brooke Lopez to contest a shot man what a crazy team to inherit if you're Adrian Griffin yes but that's where questions come in. He's a first-year head coach, mm-hmm. so it's always hit or miss. Like we've seen first-year head coaches like Nick Nurse win a championship, but is Adrian Griffin cut from that same cloth? Yeah, Truly. but what did what did who did Nick Nurse have when he won that year? He had Kawhi Leonard. He had Kawhi Leonard, and he had a great surrounding cast, a supporting cast to help Kawhi Leonard get that chip and pass young Pascal, young Fred VanVleet, a prime Kyle Lowry. And uh, Jonas now he gets he gets two top ten NBA players on his team to begin with. Two top this five, is, Angus. Two top five NBA players, bro. Dame last but season. But we can have this conversation. All eighty two. We, we can have this conversation later. To me, he you guys know top seven. You guys know Damian Lillard is my favorite player in the NBA. This this comes to uh, I want to bring up a different question um, that's that relates to the topic, Angus. This pick and roll is going to be fucking insane. This pick it's and so roll between it's Damian actually... Lillard and Giannis. Shit. Pick and roll between Damian Lillard and Brooke Lopez with the pick and pop and then Giannis rolling from opposite wing. Whatever variation they do between that, it's going to be fucking scary. And my question is, Angus, is this duo... A top three duo in the league. A, I think this automatically makes them the best duo in the league in terms of Ooh. talent. In terms of, we have not seen them play, and this is all theoretical right now. But everything between these two, they match each other's weaknesses. They fix, fill each other's flaws. Gambler is a prolific outside scorer, the second best scoring guard of this generation. And then you have Giannis, who does his damage in the paint. And he's also a way better defender than Damian Lillard. He's the player that Damian Lillard needed. We knew that Damian Lillard wanted Draymond Green on the Blazers. But now he gets something even better. He gets Giannis and Ted Okumpo. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's not forget about Chris Middleton either. because I know. And that's what teams season. are going to get. The teams yeah. are going to forget about Chris Middleton, which is why this team is going to be dominant. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's and And I... What's crazy is that they go from Pat Connaughton being one of their best three-point shooters to now having one of the best three-point shooters in the league leading your team. And um, so you said best duo in the league. Angus, are you forgetting about the 
the reigning champs. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic got nothing on Giannis and Damian Lillard. Ah, uh, but they just won a oh, they just won a championship. They okay in terms of, okay if we're talking about teams that we actually seen play and not just on paper then yes for sure right. they won the championship. Uh, their games complement each other, but in terms of talking, pure we're also talent, talking about, we're also talking about Nikola Jokic, bro. And we're talking about talent. I get what you're saying. Damian Lillard definitely surpasses Jamal Murray. But when you look at Jamal Murray's playoff performances this year, just maybe this is recency bias because Damian Lillard has crazy playoff performances as well. But you look at Jokic and what he brings to you consistently on a night-to-night basis, and you look at Jamal Murray, what he did bring consistently on a night-to-night basis in the playoffs to win the championship and beat the the Heat in five games. Um it's hard to say like this this that duo is elite and they have proven that they can do it at the highest level. Damian Lillard has proven he can do it at the highest level, but he's never even got to a Western Conference final. And Giannis yes, he has. has proven He just got swept by the by Steph Curry. It was terrible. Two thousand nineteen. Oh, they, they did, huh? They did. They got swept. They got swept. Damn. That was so long ago. That was like five years ago. Damn, I mean <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Angus about to turn 23, and I was telling him that I was telling him, bro, when you turn 23, you're gonna feel old as fuck. Uh, I know, Damn. I know. Everyone tells me that. Like I felt it, and everyone that's turning 23, because all the people I talk to, they're my age or around my age. A lot of them, and, and they're just like, yeah, when you turn 23, you just feel old as shit. 22, it's like you're still 21 and damn near, but 23, you're like, oh fuck, I'm damn near 25. And once and a little baby, you think about he, your 25, once you think about being 25, they're like, damn, I'm close to 30. Yeah, we doing good, though. We doing good for our age. Um, yeah. I. What does this do for the East and the West? Because the be- one of the best teams, I mean, you could, you could call the Bucks the best team in the East because they're always, the last three years, they have been one or two in the East. And the number one seed, they were the number one seed in the East last year and a perennial contender, like not just a strong playoff team. They're always a contender and they just added a top 10 player. Yeah. So what does this do for the East? Like all this, obviously they're the favorites in the East. Um, and, and what, 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 what conference does this trade affect more? You think the West or the East? I think this affects the East more. Now you have franchises worrying about their future. Like the Sixers, what are they going to do with James Harden now? They know without Harden, there's no way they can compete against the Bucks. But they know with Harden, there's a fat headache waiting to happen. And what about the Celtics? The Celtics traded in um, a, their cultural player for Chris Sass Porzingis. They're, they're, they, even though they added talent, the Bucks added even more talent. Yeah, and they barely gave up anything. Like, Grayson Allen is a good piece, but he's not like, you know, he's a solid role player, and that's what he is. And that's not a bad thing, but it's like, you can find another guy like that. And only to They saw to Grayson up- Allen. They saw huh? Grayson Allen miss that floater in, in the playoffs last season <laughs> against the Heat. And they were like, yep, we got to get him out of here. Hey, that, that series was not his fault, okay? I know, <laughs> but I I I really like Grayson Allen as a competitor, and a lot of people may think he's dirty, and he's done some dirty ass shit on the floor. But I, I don't know, 
Like sometimes I respect him a little bit because it's just like he can ball. He can ball. Obviously he sure. can ball. Like he played four years in Duke under as a starter. He's a fucking hooper. And I I, I don't know. I respect him. I don't respect some of those dirty plays like the Alex Caruso shit. But before the Alex Caruso shit, he was relatively clean. He was. He was. Yeah. I so. Mean. Um, I think I think that Dame makes this very fucking interesting because over the last couple of years, it's been the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers as the top dogs on the Heat on the East. All of a sudden, this makes the Bucks just like undeniable favorites, and the Sixers, like you said. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, I think they know what they're doing, but James Harden doesn't. So because James Harden is their second best player and he's not on board and he's upset and he's over in fucking China complaining to people that don't even know what the fuck he's saying just to make a fucking scene on social media. Like, come on, bro. Come on. If it's up to me, I'd say fuck James Harden, start Tyrese Maxey, and you got to play faster than what you usually played, bro. You got to play fast, and you got to tell Embiid to fucking keep up, bro. Embiid's got to keep up. So what does this do for the West then? Because, I mean, we still even talk about the other team in the trade Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, the Phoenix, yeah, the Suns didn't get much. But what they did get, Angus, and what they needed, depth. They got a lot of depth. I agree. They did get a lot of depth, and they got – they. They got worse at the center position. Like I think that's a talent, uh, talent decline going from Aiton to Nurkic. But they mm. did add some some more proven players. Nasir Little is a good defender, two way player, uh, and uh, Keon Johnson is no joke either. And then we just talked about Grayson Allen. He's a great piece for them. And what you said about Aiton, um, I mean, getting worse at the center position. I think the one thing that you lose when you get rid of Aiton and you sub him for Nikola... Oh, shit, sorry. I'm fucking burping. Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, the one thing you get... The one thing you lose from that trade is durability because Yusuf Nurkic is always in and out of the lineup. Um, but I think one thing you do gain is someone that's bought in. DeAndre Aiton, I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you're the first-round pick over Luka. I don't give a fuck. If you don't try out there, you're a piece of garbage. Like, why are you even on the floor? You're getting paid thirty million dollars a year, and you're and you're and you're not even trying. Yusuf Nurkic is one of the best screen setters in the league. You know how how I know that because he gets called for so many goddamn offensive fouls. And the best screeners, we talked about this in the past. The best screeners get called for a shit ton of offensive yes. fouls. Draymond Green because De- because those are just, just a bonus. few times they get caught. Because the refs are not going to call it all the time because they want the players to stay in the game. So they're just going to call it sometimes. And we haven't recorded a podcast in a very long time, you guys. And we apologize for that. But, you know, it's off season. We ain't got much to talk about. And we got, we got, we got shit to do. But we're back. But what happened back. from the last time we recorded and now, Bradley Beal was a fucking son. So if you're talking about screen setting... No, he was- and you have Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and a guy like Yusuf Nurkic who can set them screens, off-ball screens as well. And guys that you bring in like Nasir Dude. Little and Kieran Johnson to and Grayson Allen hit outside shots, make the dirty plays for them. Okay, but do you think do you think Nurkic 
Um, the Trailblazers, I mean, the Suns got Nurkic because they're thinking about Nikola Jokic. They want a big body that can handle Jokic. Like Nurkic, Nurkic is big enough to handle Jokic. Like he's not going to get beat underneath the rim like Aiton. I mean, Jokic is still going to put him through the rim sometimes, but I think Nurkic will put up a better fight than Aiton. And then you're you're speaking of all these options with the Suns, but is it is it a sign that they might have too many pieces? Because this is a completely brand new team. This the yeah. Devin Booker is the only remaining piece from that 2021 um, Western Conference Finals champion team. Like you have all these pieces, all these pieces of puzzle, and usually championship caliber teams have a lot of their pieces set in stone, and they're just adding around the margins. I mean, outside of Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, what what is the core? I mean, they add Nurkic today, but what is their seven to eight man rotation that they're gonna get, use? Like well, no championship can... team, no championship team comes into the championship season, quote unquote. This this unaware of what their situation is going to be. Yeah, well, I think I think they can figure that out. You know, um, new head coach. Who's their, who's their head coach now? Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think I think Aiton had to go because you consider his playoff performances last year, they're awful. You consider his his season performances, it was below par. And you need someone that can actually give you something on that on that position. So I think bringing in Nurkic is even though he's a little is a lot older um, and less durable. It is some is someone that brings a veteranship and consistency to that position, and you forget about young guys they have like Jock Landale. This guy is coming into his third or fourth season. I don't know what year it is, but he's coming. He's a solid player, and when he doesn't have to do too much, he's a great defensive player. He's a solid offensive player, and when you put him on the floor with guys like Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and and Kevin Durant, you don't really have to do too much, and you can shine in a role like that. And then you have all these other guys, guys that have to prove themselves. There is going to be well, you're talking about, spots. You're talking huh? about Londale, Londale, but like, I really like Drew Eubanks because they, that was a sneaky signing by them because Drew Eubanks, the way he guarded Sabonis last season made me think, okay, this guy can guard big centers. And I think ah, that's a great piece to have Sabonis off the bench, Drew Eubanks. Center, He's a strong center. Like everybody acknowledges that he can move yeah. Stephen Adams. Yeah, he's got a low center of ground, low center of gravity. But yeah, I think I think yeah, you have Drew, you have options. So if you don't have a, a a solidified core, you're gonna figure that out in training camp. And because there's only seven or eight spots, like you said, and there's more than seven or eight guys. You're gonna have you're gonna have competition for those spots. Obviously, those top the top three positions are solidified in um, Beal, Booker, and Durant. I also have a question. This hit me. One, do you think Devin Booker is gonna play the point? And two, do you think he'll thrive in that position? Okay, a nice juicy two parter. All right, I think reports came out early after this trade that Bradley Beal was gonna run the point, and. Okay, we have these players, 6'5", Devin Booker, 6'3", Bradley Beal, who are point guard sizes. And this far into this career, into their career, why have they not played point guard? Like, we saw James Harden do the switch. Like, no one has ever handled... none. These two players have not handled point guard responsibilities because they're not... They're not 
They're not capable of running it full time. And Bradley Beal, like, I don't think I, I, I don't think he can be a point guard because good teams need a point guard. I can't name a championship winning team that didn't have a point like a solid point guard. Yeah. No matter the talent level, you have you need someone to set the floor for these players. Like Devin Booker didn't thrive until the the Suns got Ricky Rubio, and then and then this gave the Suns front office an idea of getting Devin Booker an actual point guard to feed him the ball in the right places and let him work. Yes, but he there, we have seen games when Chris Paul went down and campaign was was uh, in and out of the lineup. Devin Booker was playing pretty decent at the one position, averaging, like, giving you eight assists a game on top of a 25-point scoring performance. Like, I, like you said, there hasn't been a lot of championship teams that, that win without a, a solidified point guard. But there can always be something new that happens. And Devin Booker is a guy that, like, I, I agree with you. Bradley Beal not really cut out for the one position. He's too much of a, a score-first guy to be a good point guard. But Devin Booker has so much respect for the game. That's why Durant has so much respect for him because he knows how good his teammates are in Bradley Beal and Durant. He's going to want to find them. I think out of those three guys, or out of all two guards in the league, like a James Harden, Devin Booker can become that. And you look at the way he plays, bro. It's a lot of downhill action. It's a lot of screen play. It's a lot of mid-range game. It's so easy when you're in those spots to find your players. Because if there's the double on you, bro, you know who's open. It's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be super easy for Devin Booker to make that transition. And who knows? They might make a trade for a point guard. And if that happens, then they're going to have to figure out the lineup. Because what are you going to do? Put Bradley Beal at the three? Yeah, this is um, this is funny because I I don't know why the Suns didn't just get in on the Drew Holiday piece. Like I felt like Drew Holiday would be a good ple- oh. piece for that team for the Suns team. Damn. Do you wonder if they tried to? They're like, you know what? We don't want Nurk. We want Drew. There's no way that would happen because then the Blazers aren't getting anybody. I mean. Yeah, I mean they could they would have gotten Aiton still. They would have gotten Aiton still and then I don't know, they could finagle some draft picks from both the Suns and the Bucks. I, I just feel like it would have been too messy, but um yeah, Drew Holiday is a perfect fit on this team, on his Suns team, is my original point. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But, but Devin okay, but you have you have three players now who who thrive when other players feed them the ball, like good playmakers, like when Chris Paul, I mean, yeah, when Chris Paul played with Devin Booker, they were able to go to the finals. When Bradley Beal was playing with John Wall, they made it to the second round of the playoffs. Unfortunately, that was their peak. And then even back in the Thunder days, Westbrook, whenever Westbrook wanted to pass a KD, KD would score. And same with Steph Curry and Draymond Green in Golden State. Kevin Durant is better when someone can feed him the ball in his spots, when he has to create less. Like, when your best players don't have to create their own shot at all times, that's when your team can thrive. Yeah. I think I think Devin Booker is going to take some adjusting, but he could do that. Uh, I th- I, there's one thing I do worry about this team, man, and it's Frank Vogel. I, I don't really like Frank Vogel as a coach. 
I understand that he's a great defensive coach, but I don't know, man. There's just there's just some things on the offensive side of the floor. I think he needs a guy like a Chris Paul, a guy like a Rajon Rondo to kind of take the floor on the offensive end of the uh, the t- to take control on the offensive fl- side of the floor. And when you had a guy like Monty Williams that's no longer there, a former point guard in this league, he would have been perfect to continue coaching Devin Booker when Devin Booker is now the solidified point guard of this team, potentially. Yeah, and Aiton Aiton is no longer there to cause locker room drama, too. So that's the funny part about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's another thing that happened when we were away, guys. Monty Williams signed one of the, I don't know if it is the largest coaching contract. It's the biggest contract. In NBA history, I think it was like fucking what was it like twenty million dollars a year? It ended up being like that. It's like four years, insane for a coach. But yeah, now you have a guy like Frank Vogel who doesn't have a point guard like Chris Paul or a guy like Rajon Rondo, and they don't have great defensive players either. So for me, it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like what the Ravens are doing right now in the NFL. They want to make Lamar Jackson a throwing QB, but Lamar Jackson is a running QB. And when you're trying to make something happen that's not supposed to happen or not built to happen, then you run into problems. I think, I, th- I don't know, it just didn't really make sense that hiring to bring in a guy like Frank Vogel instead of a guy like um, the, the Nets' former coach, um, the, oh, the Jock Warriors. Oh, Jock no, no, or, not John oh, Kenny Atkinson. Kenny, Kenny Atkinson. Atkinson. When there's a, so many different guys out there, like I don't know, I just don't know. You you have an offensive centered team and you bring in a defensive coach. That doesn't make your defense better. Like he doesn't have the personnel to have a good defense. So he just, doesn't just, have the personnel. But I it's, I think it's questionable. That, I think that the point of this was that the offense is going to take care of themselves just on pure talent alone. And I can see how the problems can arise from that because sometimes yeah. your talent ends up making shots. Yeah. But they're hoping that Frank Vogel, who can transform, who can transform uh, pieces of a team into a great, solid defensive team. We've seen him do that in the past. Like even during his Magic days, his team, even though they lack talent, they are still a pretty solid defensive team. So I think that's the part that the Suns want. That's what Matt Ishbia wants. He just wants a team that's solid enough on defense. But will will absolutely scorch you by outscoring you. I think I think me and you know very well because we've been Kings fans for so long. It is hard to play good defense in this league, and when you have three guys that are going to be working very hard on the offense and the floor on Durant, Bradley Beal, and Booker, also three guys that aren't known to be great defenders, that leaves two people to care to pick up the slack, and I just don't think that's enough. So when you're looking at this team, you got to be like, this team has to outscore every team. Otherwise, and that's hard to do. It is very hard to do, especially the way the league is now. So Durant has to have a good season, Booker has to have a good season, and Bradley Beal has to have a good season offensively and efficiency wise. And it has to be they have to be durable. They can't get hurt because if one of those guys goes down, you don't have a Chris Paul anymore to lead your offense and and pick up the slack. You don't have defensive players like a DeAndre Ayton to rely on, and you don't have Monty Williams anymore, who I think, in my personal opinion, is a much better coach than Frank Vogel. I, I don't know if the Suns team got better. It's going to be really interesting to see how Bradley Beal makes a splash on that roster and, and if he's as good as he's been 
And if he stays healthy, because let's not forget, guys, Bradley Beal has been hurt a lot in the last three years. A lot. So, so has Durant. So to expect a lot, to expect complete durability for this team who that lacks depth, even though they just made a move to get a lot more depth, they still lack good depth. And you know what I mean by that. Well, they have to be healthy. I mean, you gotta you gotta look at from the Suns' perspective. They see all these big centers. They see the way that Jokic played. Like having a center that's pretty skilled run your offense, and then you have to look at the Kings too with Sabonis. The Suns, I think the Suns might be trying to mimic that, but I'm not entirely too sure because, like you said, Vogel is not really an offensively talented coach. But yeah. if they the Suns were able to use Nurkic in the same way that the Kings use Sabonis, using handoffs, making him like a hub for handoffs and pick and rolls in the short in the short mid range, like that could unlock this offense a lot. But we'll see where Frank Vogel's head is at. There's definitely a lot of question marks left to answer for this team. Yeah, let's um let's move on. I have a I have um I have a question for you, Angus. What's up? Uh what teams that may have been in the playoffs last year, but maybe were were teams that slipped in, maybe at the eighth seed or the play-in tournament, uh, or just weren't in the playoffs at all? What what teams that were bad last year or on that verge do you think can make a really big splash this season? Sleeper teams. Sleeper team. I think. I have a oh. couple. There is a couple. There is a couple of them. <laughs> but it's going to be the Pacers. I think the Pacers could be mm, a yep, solid yep. solid six seed. Six seed or maybe even like a top seed in the play-in tournament. Just because they're going to get a decent return for Buddy Hield. Some team is going to be desperate enough to want shooting that they're going to give the Pacers pieces. And then that's going to unlock more time for Ben Matherin, more time for Andrew Nemhard. And then, and then let's not forget, they got Obi Toppin in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton, Obi Toppin, and Bruce Brown. Bruce overpay for Bruce Brown, but it's only two years and a team and a player option or a team option. Oh, you but you overpaid think, for him, but you you barely overpaid for him. I think he's worth at yeah, least you, 15, 18 million. No, he 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 got well within his range, but there's it's not a really long contract. So the Pacers, if they feel they need to get out of that or like trade him for pieces, they can easily do that. And yeah, so and this who else team, are they paying besides Halliburton and Turner? Nobody. They're not really paying anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like once they get off the Buddy Heald contract, no one else will be in the twenty millions. Yeah. Okay, well, who Pacers. are your sleeper teams? I like who's that. your sleeper like teams? Let's go to the West Conference because the Pacers are on the East. And to 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 go off your point about the Pacers, guys, the first thirty games into the season, the Pacers were top six in the East. Like it was, they were consistently up there, and they were playing really good. And then Halliburton got hurt, and they like they just started, you know, it just is what the shit. But um, my team in the the West, uh, it's got to be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, you OKC. look at the jump, you, you look at the jump that Shea took last year, and this guy, and he's he's all NBA now. Okay, so this guy is the shit. You saw what he did in FIBA over the summer. You see how dominant he is on that level, and they play better defense over there. Okay, like they don't—you don't get the calls that you get in the NBA. And Shea shoots a lot of fucking free throws, and you don't get that. But he's still dominant on the national, on the na- uh, sorry, the international level. 
you got to be excited about this team. You got now they have Chet Holmgren. They have Josh Giddy. They have a guy. What's his fuck? What's his name? Uh, they're they're Jalen Williams, who I'm a huge Jaylen fan Williams. of. And both of this them, team, both Jalen Williams, both Jalen Williams, and you and and you got to think that this team, they be, almost made the playoffs last year. You got to think this team is right on that verge of being really good. They have one of the best players in the league, which is what you need to be really good. You need a, a superstar, and you need a good surrounding cast, and you have that, and you have a great coach. I love their coach. So Mike Dagnall, Mark Dagnall, Mark Dagnall, hard he's to a say great, name. Great, great coach, and it's it's weird because every year the uh, the Thunder they kind of like shut their players down like midway or late midway through the mid, late mid later on in the season. It's going to be interesting to see if they start mediocre, if they're going to shut it down or if they're going to try to make the playoffs. I'm I'm really interested to see uh, because also I think a lot of it relies on um, Shea's health because a lot of times. Uh, he was dealing like last year, two years ago. He's dealing with plantar fasciitis. I don't know if that was real or not, but uh, he he does get hurt sometimes, and I think it all relies on him. But they do have a good team, and that's my team. Uh, that's my sleeper team besides the Kings. <laughs> and listen, they don't have a draft pick in 2024, so you know the Thunder are going to go all in. There's no point in them tanking, and they have that Houston. That Houston pick that they can fall back on. It's top four protective, but I think Houston's going to get out the lottery. I mean, they're not going to get out the lottery, but they're not going to be a top four team in the, in the draft, given that they have Dylan Brooks and uh, Fred Van Vliet now. But back to the Thunder, like their biggest weakness was not having size. Jalen Williams is an undersized center, and those are better coming off the bench. Now you have Chet Holmgren. And honestly, I saw a clip that said, I said that's just really only like two or three centers that can really do damage to Chet Holmgren. With the way that the league plays now, Chet Holmgren is going to do just fine. But you're obviously not going to ask for him to bruise against the bigger centers. That's right. what you have Jalen Williams for. I'm interested. Who are those two, three guys that can give him problems? It's got to be one of them is Embiid, right? Embiid, Jokic, and Sabonis. I think those three can really bruise up. Yeah, I think I think a guy like um, if if they do play him at the five. Uh, I think a guy. I think I think he's. I think there's a lot of teams that could target him. Like if you're if you're playing the Celtics and Robert Williams is on the floor, like do you really trust Chet Holmgren to be out there with him? Uh, I think one thing that Chet really has to rely on is his shooting. If he comes out and and this is the same with Victor, um, I think these guys because of their frames, if they come out. And they're both rookies, so we both have never seen these guys play on an NBA floor. So there's really no way to know what's going to happen. But I think if both of these guys come out shooting the ball well from distance, and it doesn't even have to be threes, if they shoot the midi well, it's going to be really hard to guard these guys, and they're going to live up to the hype. But if they don't, and if they don't, it doesn't mean that they're not good shooters. It just means that they're just adjusting to the league. Um, if they don't right away, it's not going to be like this – Oh, they're averaging 20 points a game. It's not going to be that. It's going to be like they're averaging 15, like Evan Mobley numbers. So it really relies for these two guys. It really relies on shooting because if you shoot. Evan Mobley numbers. Huh? So pretty good. Pretty good then, right? If we're pretty talking about good, Evan Mobley but not numbers. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> Angus, Angus, pretty good for Evan a rookie. Mobley, Bro, pretty good, but. Pretty good, but not what people are expecting on tanking teams if you're going to be the number one option. 
from these the these two number two and number one overall picks. Uh, because when you can shoot the ball, these bigger guys just can't guard you. They can't step outside and play you one-on-one, especially when you put the ball on the floor like Chet Holmgren and Victor can. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you. The way the game is played this year or the last couple years, yeah, there's few centers that play with back to the basket. But, like I said, Chet Holmgren really has to be able to shoot the ball, and same with Victor. And if they can, they're going to be fucking scary. And if they can't, it's going to be hard to play them. Well, I think the offense for rookies, especially like rookies like this, very slim, does take some a little bit more time for them to build up that grown man strength to really be able to compete with the big boys. But everybody knows that Victor and Chet coming out coming out of the draft that the second they step on an NBA court, their value is going to be on the defensive end first. I mean, these two guys have such great potential to be absolute disruptors on defense and you're as a team, you're gonna have to scheme so that way uh the two bigs don't get caught guarding something uh you know, just guarding a big player or like guarding anyone one on one, but you just wanna keep them in the, in or around the paint as disruptors on defense. Yeah, because they're they're both great help side defenders, um, when it comes to shot blocking. It's, it's and all great. that length. Just yeah. tipping passes, think about that part. And they don't take up a lot of space. So as a as a player, offensive player, you're going up, you're attacking the basket. You don't see them because they're not big. All of a sudden, you have this fucking skinny ass arm coming in and swap swiping the fuck out of your shot. It's going to be really interesting. I, I'm really interested to see Victor Webinyama's defensive impact uh, as a fantasy player because. <laughs> Oh my God, if he can average three to four blocks a game and then give you like 15 points and 12 rebounds, he's going to be one of the best fantasy options. First first or second round talent in fantasy leagues. I really do. Mm, I think that's Fra- a good one. I think Franz Wagner showed that he can really play at a competitive level. We saw what he did with uh, the German national team, won a championship with Dennis Schroeder. Therefore, he's on the best Bro, team so in the world. Nice. Franz and, is so nice. And then these players know the role. Like, you know, Paolo Bancaro is going to be the number one. And he's not a very, he's not a selfish player at all. He always looks to distribute the ball when possible. And you yeah. get, if you get these guys another off season, another training camp to really play with each other. And not to mention Paolo Bancaro got, got reps in with team USA playing center. And that might be something we see in Orlando off in Orlando that offense. That was really interesting. That was really interesting. And it was more interesting that it kind of worked sometimes. In a way, like he wasn't like he wasn't a liability on the defensive side. I mean, you got to think about it. It's all for a kid that size. It's all about the coach and the defensive scheme that you're running. And he, not to mention, he has the same size as Wendell Carter. They're both six nine, two hundred and fifty pounds. So he can really like if he if the coach wanted him to, he could really bang down low. That's interesting. I actually kind of like that pick because they have a really good coach. Uh, they have a really good team. And I think the one thing they're lacking is, is one, they need some veterans, and then they need a number one go-to guy. And That's, I just think they're they're lacking that right now. And I think, I, think, I think they're lacking shooting, honestly. There's not a lot of perimeter shooting around Franz and Paolo. Maybe they get that's a buddy. True. Maybe get a buddy healed in there. <laughs> you know that that's one mm. of the teams I have for buddy healed. 
That act, uh, yeah. But that, yeah, that's a big contract. But then you don't have a lot. You're not really paying anyone on that team, so mm, that might work. Yeah. I, I, I like they made a late surge in the end of the season last year, and they actually got close to being a play-in team. Uh, so I, I think that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good choice. Are you, are you just doing East teams and I'm doing West teams? Because that's cool. Oh, you know what? That, that's just how the cookie crumbled. Let's just keep it going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let me think a little bit. Teams that weren't good last year. That could be good this year. All right. I have one. I'm going to go with uh, the Utah Jazz. The Jazz. I the Jazz. I, I just think teams like... Okay, if say the Suns and the Jazz play for the first game in the first game of the season, right? A team like the Suns, they don't really got everything figured out. They have all the talent in the world, but they're not necessarily a good team yet just because they haven't had the reps. And a team like the Utah Jazz, great coach. I think way better than a Frank Vogel. All his players are bought in. They play as a team. They all have an offseason together under their belt. Lori Markinen is a stud. Jordan Clarkson can play. Walker Kessler is a fucking stud. And and Kelly Olynyk is is not a scrub. You have these you have pieces. And uh what's that guy's name? Ochiban or Oche Agbaji. <laughs> you're forgetting Oche, uh, You're forgetting you're forgetting a massive name that they got this offseason. They got John Collins. This offseason. Oh fuck! I forgot about that. It happened so long ago. We're like this damn trade man. Forget that the freaking Jazz have John Collins now. Holy shit! Yeah, that's a great piece. That's a great piece. And got him so, for next to nothing too. So that means that means uh, that means either they can play Kelly Olynyk or they can play John Collins, and they have depth for injuries. And Markinen can play the three, like the actual three. I mean, he played the three last season, but now you have a guy that's a bully ball, a bully ball. So, lob threat, bully ball, and can shoot the three. That's a great pickup. So that just even further is my argument for the Jazz. Uh, I, I, I don't, honestly, I between like my two too. teams in the, yeah, I I, I, I like that pick. Uh, okay, yeah, I like that pick a lot. I mean, they also have rookie Keontae George, who was who was great. At Baylor, I got one more for you, Angus, and this might I want I want you to know I want your opinion horse? on this. A little dark horse. Yes. Um, okay. Let's yes. hear it. And, and I have the team that I I think could be good next year, and 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 keyword could. Could I don't know okay. if this team. I got be, could. I want this is where I want your opinion. I'd say the Detroit Pistons, man. Oh, you have a healthy Cade Cunningham. Oh, you have a, actually, <laughs> a, a new. You have a new coach and. And uh, Monty Williams, healthy Bogdan, Jaden Ivey. I don't know if you've been watching the Rico Hines runs, but this man looks like a completely different player than last year. I was watching the Rico Hines runs all last year, and Jaden Ivey was in basically every single one of those runs. And the difference in confidence and swag and and composure that he holds himself then is so crazy. Such a crazy difference from last year. And you can just tell the way he carries himself, the way he plays with his team. And 
the Detroit Pistons have been one of those teams, like the Toronto Raptors, that always go to Rico Hines' runs as a team. They've been there since like the first day he was doing it. This team is bought in right this year. They really want to learn how to play together, and they have the talent and the coaching. Um, you forget, I'm a really big fan of Jalen Duran. They have Marvin Bagley. I hate to say his name like he's an asset, but they have Marvin Bagley. They have they have good young talent over there, and they have a guy like Bogdan that can take over when he needs to be and, and be a leader. And and most importantly, they have a leader in Monty Williams. So, yeah, that's my Dark Horse Sleeper. What do you think? I, I really like that. I really do, but <laughs> I'm not a big fan of Jaden Ivey. I mean, I saw those Rico Hines runs too, but I, a lot of times I saw him just driving into the paint and pick up his dribble way too early. But I think the success of this team relies on Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham, I believe, he's going to prove yeah. that he was our first overall pick. People keep forgetting he's a first overall pick. This guy has serious talent in his blood. And he's crazy size, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and can run the point, can play the two, but has the size of a three. That's a modern NBA player right there. But yeah. my biggest question for them is, like, do they have enough shooting? Cade Cunningham could shoot a bit. Joe Harris and uh, Bogdanovich. But then other than that, they're relying on Isaiah Stewart to somehow in, improve his jump shot over the summer. And we know that Asar Thompson that. Asar Thompson is not the best shooter. A shooting was one of his shaky qualities coming into the draft. Yeah, I'm on I'm on one of those I'm on the I'm on the team. I'm on the side that thinks that the twins aren't gonna get much playing time on their respective teams. Uh but Isaiah Stewart uh, you forget they always they also have James Wiseman on their team. Yep, and uh, they're just gonna, they're Monty Williams is gonna fi- have to figure out uh, what his front court is gonna be. But I swear to God, if Dern isn't getting thirty five minutes a game, uh like I, I'll lose all respect for Monty Williams. Jalen Dern needs to get thirty five to forty minutes a game on this team. He's too good not to play him that and much. He's got that motor. He's got that motor De- DeAndre Ayton never had. And think about what Monty Williams can do with a guy like that. Yeah, and if you're going to take away minutes so you can play fucking Marvin Bagley or James Wiseman, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like I don't want to see that at all. I can see Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart is much better than both of those players, in my opinion. But like. Split the four minutes, the the four position minutes with those three guys. Darn needs forty minutes, thirty five to forty minutes a game. And last season, I know they weren't trying to win, but he was teetering on that twenty twenty five minutes a game, and it was driving me crazy. Maybe because he was on my fantasy team and I wanted him to play more. But also, this guy is just too good to not play him that much. And I understand he's undersized. Your whole front court is undersized besides Jay's Wiseman. I, and I that think guy he's going to play. play defense. I think nobody's going to argue that he's going to play. Monty Williams is a smart coach. Like, Jalen Duren's definitely going to get minutes. The, the entire world saw what Jalen Duren can do. And they saw what he did during Team USA scrimmages. So he's obviously mm. going to play. But with that, with, with all those front court pieces you mentioned, you know, you got Marvin Bagley, Jalen Duren. You also got Isaiah Stewart and freaking James Wiseman. Which Wiseman. player? Which player do you think is going to get traded first? I think I think it's fair game with all all three of those guys. Besides Dern, I think. Yeah. You, I think I I think. I don't know. I feel like they all play similar. I think James Wiseman is easily the the guy that you trade first, but at the same time, maybe not. It, it really depends on what Monty Williams wants to do, how his, he's going to play this team. 
uh, Dwayne Casey just wasn't it, man. So I, I, I think Monty Williams is a much, much smarter coach. It's going to be really interesting, the relationship between him and Cade and how that grows. Also, him and Jaden Ivey. I think he's really going to take Jaden Ivey under his wing because um, Jaden Ivey is, is somewhat humble, and he's as a student of the game. He's going to learn under Monty Williams. And Cade Cunningham is that guy where it's like he's a talent already. Uh, I think I think that relationship between him and Monty are going to be good. But I know you don't like Jaden Ivey, and I'm not a big fan of Jaden Ivey, bro. But I'm telling you, just with the eye test, he looks different. He looks different. This sh- and his sh- his shot looks different too. His shot form looks different, and it looks better. It looks more fluid. It lo- you can tell he's been working on it, and that and that to me is the biggest thing. Last season, before the season starts, when there was a report of Austin Reeves getting kicked out of the gym because he's there too long. And then midway through the season, no, it didn't happen right away, but midway through the season, he starts making a splash on that team. I think it's going to be the same thing with Jaden Ivey. This guy's putting in the work, and he's not in the position where there's so much scrutiny on him. He kind of let a lot of people down last year with subpar performances. The eyes are not on him as they were last year. So I think he really prepare for this season and really you know get that underdog mentality in his brain i think he's gonna i think he's gonna have a lot better season um i'm not not draft worthy to me in my opinion if we're talking about fantasy but something to keep an eye on like an austin reeves type guy definitely an asset Jaden ivy huh i don't know i you're comparing him to the he's an electric guard man no matter what you say he's an electric guard he can make something happen out of nothing he can get to the basket he's undersized he's undersized but he's mad athletic he's mad fast and he's going i think i i have high hopes for this guy i do i just don't see it but i mean i don't think he we, should start but but you but, proved you proved a good point like we don't really we don't really like pay attention to sophomores like after there's rookie season they just they're just gone. We don't care about them anymore. That's kind of sad. And you're making me kind of sad right now. <laughs> let's let's talk about our fucking kings, man. We made a couple moves. I, I like the moves that we've made so far in this offseason. Do you think we're going to make some more moves? But but before you answer that question, let's talk about some of the moves we have made. Nerlens Noel, Chris Duarte. Uh, who else? We got JaVale McGee, too. Oh, God. <laughs> but I think Nerlens Noel got waived already. I believe Nerlens Noel got oh, waived. Oh, word? Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And then we also got what Sasha Vajenkov. Like, you're not very high on him. And in, in an off-podcast conversation, he, Enoch said that Sasha Vajenkov would probably only get like 15 minutes a night. But I think he's a 23-minute-a-night player. No way. No he's, way. He's smart. If we didn't, he, if we didn't re-sign Barnes, maybe. He could no play way. with Barnes. Sasha is unique because he can so play he's gonna the take, four. He's going to take Keegan's. He's going to take Keegan's minutes. No way. No, Barnes is no going to get his minutes. All right, Barnes is going to get his some of his minutes taken away. But I just, I just see the vision in crunch time. I just see it, just like in game five when Barnes missed that three to potentially send us up. Uh, oh wait, game four to send us up three one. I feel like Sasha would have made that. I just feel like having Sasha add so much more to our offense. Like we're clearly leaning more into our offensive side and not addressing defensive pieces, but with Sasha running, I don't like that though. That's why I love the Nerlens pick. Like it was just, it just fit. Like 
But we got, I, we dude, got I will though. never forget. Huh? What'd you say? <laughs> Yo, what'd you say? But uh, we got JaVale McGee, though. Yeah. <sighs> I feel like we don't need a center that plays that long. Like, Sabonis is going to get 35 minutes a night, and our backup center is only okay. going to get, like, 10, 15 minutes a night. Okay, what I was going to say, bro, is I will never forget that game seven against the Warriors where we give up, like, 50,000 offensive rebounds. A guy like Nerland Zoel would be perfect. Nerlens Noel is not even the best re is not even that good of a rebounder, if we're being honest. Like his best asset comes from his ability to block shots, not even like really protect the rim. JaVel McGee has a length. JaVel McGee has serious length and like decent athleticism for his age and size. But when you have when you have a, a defense okay, JaVel McGee, okay. Decent pickup. I just I don't know. I just don't like JaVel for obvious reasons. But we're not we're not I, asking I, him I, to be like that high of an impact player. He's just gonna play some spot minutes. Alex Len, I think, is still competing for backup center spot too, from what I'm hearing. That's true. Okay, I I don't mind the Javel McGee pickup. I think just some height is gonna help us regardless. Um, what I'm really excited to see is maybe not super excited, but interested to see is how Duarte is gonna enter the lineup. Uh, it's really it's the the backcourt is really crowded already um davion still wants his minutes malik monk still wants his minutes herder is still going to get his minutes and fox is going to get his minutes and a chris duarte i hope he is good enough to play 15 to 20 minutes a game and i do want him to get those type of minutes but it's hard to see with the new additions that we've made how there's going to be enough minutes to get to give a guy like chris duarte some time i'm not going to lie to you angus i think Monk has games where he gives you thirty, and those games he looks great. Which but is why, most, which is why he's like part of our core, like six or seven. That's true. But then there's games where he's really quiet, and I think games like that is when exactly. Duarte yep. can come in we and the same give thing you in mind. thirty minutes, give you thirty twenty five minutes, and Monk. Because there's times where where and it pissed me off a lot last year. But if you have a guy like Duarte. I think you can get away with this. When I told you a lot where where Mike Brown would play Monk like 15 minutes a game, and it, I just was like, what the fuck is going on? Now you can get away with something like that because you can put a guy like Duarte in and give you an instant instant offense off the bench. So I love this pick. When I heard I heard this pickup, and the fact that we gave up almost nothing for him, I, I was like, man, like the only reason the Pacers are giving up on him is because they have Benedict Matherin. If they didn't have Benedict Matherin, Chris Duarte would be one of their top pieces on their on their on the rebuilding process. And for us to get him like he's just loose change, like Bro, relax. what a pick. Okay, man. relax. Relax. All right, Chris Duarte is 26 years old. <laughs> he fits our timeline better than he fits the Pacers timeline. All right? And then stop sleeping on Andrew Nemhard. They need minutes for Andrew Nemhard. He's uh, that's he's, true. He's really he's good nice too. He's really good. He is really good. But like, like really you good. said, like when you're a bench player, it's hard to get going in games. So when you have a person coming off the bench just for pure offense, like Malik Monk, and he isn't getting things going, you do have another piece to, you can go to. Like definitely, Chris Duarte, I think, is a way better shooter and scorer than Terrence Davis. So he's gonna get those mm. minutes. 
But what I think is like, like, like your point is just, just like at, at any given game, two, two bench players are going to get extended minutes and Chris yeah. Duarte can be one of those and still be efficient and productive in his minutes. And also like another point is that the Kings were extremely healthy last season, extremely. And yeah. I don't think that guy, but for two, two, uh, two seasons in a row, and we're going to have to rest our players sometimes, but now we have so much depth that we can rest Darren Fox and Mitchell will take over. We can rest Herder. We can rest Barnes and then Chris Duarte, Sasha, Trey Laws can get those minutes. Let's talk about Davion for a little bit. Like, like, is this the year we finally see the jump? I think it is. I think last season was a serious case of the sophomore slumps. And I don't think that's going to happen again this it. season. Like... I just I read a stat that um Damian Mitchell was the tenth worst shooter in the league on wide open three point attempts. Wide open. I believe it. He only I shot that. he only shot thirty one percent on wide open attempts. But he is a tremendous a defender. Form, bro. He is he is a tremendous defender and I really do think that if he if he is better on offense this season, the Kings need to find a way to get him and Fox on the court at the same time. I read somewhere that um, De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell are top ten in the league in terms of uh, in terms of time defended in the backcourt. So if you have those two hounding the ball handlers ninety four feet, that's gonna wear and tear on certain teams. Yeah, the thing the thing about playing with Fox is that if you're gonna play with Fox as a guard, you need to be able to shoot. And Davion has not proven that he can do that. And I really want him to. You see the way Sack reacts when he hits a three, bro. Like it's like it's like we just won the fucking finals. Like it's like Justin Jackson again. Three, Justin Jackson again. Remember Justin Jackson? Yeah, bro. It's like the ass player that you really want to be good. And I'm not calling Davion ass yet. But I and I love what he brings on the defensive side of the floor. But bro, you can't you we can't have you on the floor if you can only play defense. It. it Maybe to guard certain players, and I think he did a good job, or he did the best job he could do on Steph Curry uh, in in that playoff series. But like, we need more than like six points from you, man. Like, like we need more than eight points from you. We need more than we need more than two for five or two for eight. Like, if you're going to get twenty plus minutes, we need like ten, twelve, fifteen points. Exactly. I think that's where he truly got exposed. You can get away with that in the playoffs. I mean, in the in a regular season. But in the playoffs, if a like Davion Mitchell provides some much needed defense for us, but he was a complete nothing on offense a lot of time, and that's what yeah. led to our demise. It's, it it leads to like coaching dilemmas for Mike Brown. You have to think about how yeah. hard it must have been for his shoes. Like yeah, Davion Mitchell, who's this great defender, but he knows that Draymond Green is going to be able to help off of him on offense. And that was that was that game seven decision of of benching Davion and playing Terrence Davis because he started the game hot. And but just think if da- if Davion can start a game hot like that, and hit a couple threes in the beginning of the game, and hit a couple threes in the in the second half as well, like w- there's no way we can't play this guy. Like he has to play. So make it obvious, man. Like l- like give Mike Brown no choice but to play you. That's a yep. That's gonna be an interesting training camp battle because you know Mike Brown is gonna force his bench players to earn their minutes, and Davion Mitchell is one of them. Where are we placing this year? Are we, are we are we coming back for that second spot? Are we coming back for the? Are we coming for that number one spot? 
We are going to be the second seed in the West. I don't. The only team I see being Again? ahead of us is going to be the the Nuggets. I think that the yeah. I think that the Lakers are also a top four team. I think the Grizzlies will fall off because they're missing Jaw for beginning the to- first twenty five games of the season, and they're inserting Marcus Smart. So yeah, I think the Grizzlies are one of those teams. It's going to be interesting to see because because the dynamic of that team is going to be completely different. Uh, but one thing that I do know about the Grizzlies is they 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 are well coached and. Even the games where Jaw doesn't play, they play very good, and and it doesn't make sense because you look at the personnel and you look at who they have, and it's like you know they don't have crazy depth. Um, they rely on their defense, but now they don't have. Yeah, but it's gonna be it's gonna be. I think something that's gonna be interesting to watch is Desmond Bain. You guys know I love Desmond Bain, but now with no Dylan Brooks to take the shots that he he should be taking. Uh, now you have Marcus Smart doing that. And you have, well, uh, uh, yeah, but Marcus Smart, but Marcus shocking. Smart plays a different position. So I think, I think, I think, and Mark, Marcus Smart is, he, he does like to score, but he is also a great passer. And when you have a guy that can pass as well as, uh, yes, better passer than Tyus Jones, much better passer than Tyus Jones, and much better score shooter than Tyus Jones as well. What? Uh, I think, yes, yes, much better shooter than Tyus Jones. Yes. All right. Much better. Well, Tyus Jones. You'll see. Tyus Jones does not turn the ball over. That's why the Grizzlies were successful without Jaw. Marcus Smart does. Tyus Jones does not turn the. Tyus Jones does not turn the ball over. Tyus Jones also doesn't do much else. Like he just, uh, he's just there. He's just, he's a solid point guard. When he was starting, he averaged twelve points, like seven assists, and one turnover. Just for the sake of argument, real quick, who's better, Trey Jones or Tyus Jones? (laughs) Tyus Jones for sure. Trey Jones cannot shoot. Ah, Tyus Jones can shoot, ah, Jones can shoot bro, way better. You're so wrong. You're so wrong. Do you want me to read off like you're the basketball s- reference, or should I just? I don't know. Should I just? I don't care what the stats is. I watched a lot of Spurs games last year, and 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 Tyus Jones, Trey Jones is the truth, man. He's really fucking good. He's a lot better than Tyus Jones. I watched a lot of Grizzlies games last year too because Desmond Bain, and uh, and and he just never impresses me. He does, like you said, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but he just he just doesn't do anything where I'm like, oh, that was tough. Trey Jones, why does that matter though? He's runner. It led to wins. Huh? It led to wins, it yeah. To but wins. I don't think a lot of that. I don't think a lot of that had to do with Trey Jones. I mean, Tyus Jones at all. You don't think Tyus Jones affected the Grizzlies winning? They they were missing their starting point guard, and then Trey Jones. I mean, Tyus Jones stepped into it. Okay, I need to. I read mean, it you, affects. I need you to read you the stats as Tyus Jones as a starter. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Tyus Jones as a starter. This is really solid numbers: twelve point one okay. points, six point nine assists, three point one rebounds, and let's look at the turnovers. Let's look at the turnovers. Okay, I told you he has six point nine assists, one point two turnovers. Yeah, that's good. On thirty seven percent from three, forty six percent in general, and eighty two percent from free throw. Yeah, he's a solid player. He now, doesn't. Now read he doesn't trades. hurt you. He doesn't hurt you. Oh, you're he gonna doesn't. be. You're gonna be surprised when I read you Trey Jones' number. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna be surprised, okay. bro. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. Trey, Trey Jones, twelve point nine points, six point six assists. 3.6 rebounds, 1.6 turnovers, 
Not not as good assist to turnover as his uh, older brother. But let's bro, look at those are like the same stats, bro. Let's look at the shooting. Twenty nine percent from three, <laughs> and you swear this man's a good shooter, and he's a starting point guard too. Like a majority of the time. I never, I never said Trey Jones was a good shooter. I never said that. You say he's a better shooter than Tyus Jones. I said Marcus Smart is a better shooter than Tyus Jones. Oh wait, I don't agree with that either. I never. I don't agree with you. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> in both cases, <laughs> bro. Okay. I think Marcus Smart is just a more confident player, and when it comes to shooting, confidence is a big part of it. So that's why I give him the edge. Um, Trey Jones, I just don't think you've watched enough Trey Jones, Angus. I really don't think you have. And 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 yes, he is a spotty three point shooter, but he doesn't take a lot of threes, not as much as as Trey Jones. He doesn't and, take a lot of threes because he can't shoot. Yeah, but he does a lot else. And the reason I really like Trey Jones, he's a really good facilitator. He's a very good passer. Very good passer. He, his float game is on on 10. He has a great float game. He has a great float game. He's a tough finisher. He's a team player. He's, he, he's a hard, he has a hard hat on defense. He puts his hard hat on defense. He's not a great defender, but he puts his hard hat on, on defense. And he is he, a, a way better passer. Okay, not way better, but in my my opinion, he is a better passer than Tyus Jones. He just gets in those lanes and makes it easy for his guys. It's gonna be crazy to see him and Victor, bro. It's well, be this crazy. is gonna be a big year for Trey because this is the year where the Spurs decide whether or not they want to draft a point guard of the future, make a move for a point guard of the I, future. Because I don't see regardless Trey Jones, of whether Trey Jones is not the point guard of the future for the Spurs. Maybe not, but he's going to be a good point guard for someone else. And he's if he's not a starting point guard, he's a very good backup. Just like very just like his brother, right? I guess it runs into the family. The apple don't fall far from the tree, I guess. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were we were talking about the Grizzlies, uh, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they how their season starts off. It's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers season starts off. Um, I think I think it's the same thing with the Lakers as last year. It all depends on durability. But I also think that they did get better with the addition of Christian Wood, Gabe Vincent, other guys. But in my opinion, those two pickups are especially Gabe Vincent. I know I used to be really high on Christian Wood, Angus. No, you used to be high on Christian Wood. You used to be high, not me. I know. I said I used to be. I know. Okay. I used to be high. I'm just so offended that you said that. I just want to make sure I was excluded from that. Hey, hey, LeBron's high on Christian Wood, and if LeBron's high on Christian Wood, then that means it's he was true. high. He was high on Russell Westbrook, and look what happened. He was high on Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah, that's true. Look what happened. They won one championship, and Anthony Davis forgot how to have a dog. He forgot. He, yeah, he lost a dog in him. LeCoach is probably the worst loves of all the loves. LeCoach. <laughs> Le dad, le coach, LeBron. But yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of you guys are are tripping off this Christian Wood, thinking it's gonna be a really good piece for them. Uh I think it's gonna be a, a good piece, but it doesn't it doesn't help their flaws, their the glaring flaws in their in um in their defense, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think this Lakers team needed more offense, but now like Christian Wood, I think he he's still capable of being instant offense, but he's gonna have to play a lot of minutes with AD for him to be effective. You know what Christian Wood is, bro? Who? What? What is he's he? AD. He's he's AD injury security. That's 
That's a good point for offense, but not for defense. Yeah, definitely not for defense. Um, but but yeah, I I think my favorite pickup for that team is Gabe Vincent. He really won me over in the playoffs this year or last year. So it's a good piece, good off ball piece. I mean, I don't I I like the pickup. I don't think it's too flashy, but I think that's what the Lakers needed. That's definitely uh, what exactly what the doctor ordered up. Yeah. Anything else anything else you want to talk about, man? I know the season hasn't started yet. We're just kind of speculating on a couple of things, but uh, I think we got through a lot today. Yeah, actually, I kind of want to talk about the future of this podcast. You know, as you guys know, yep. we were we were gone for a while. You know, season ended. We didn't even cover the finals. You know, things came up. Life came up. We got <laughs> we busy. We didn't even cover the finals. <laughs> but now we're heading into yeah. another new season, and we're going to be we're gonna be grinding. We're going to be working hard producing content uh and then we're hopefully to be back on a weekly basis we're currently in the middle of a rebrand so if you see us with a new logo with new theme music just be excited just be hyped you guys got the insider info yeah. and uh look out for that and maybe before the season starts we'll drop a pod giving you the power rankings of the upcoming season but right now we're in full football yeah, mode I, mean, I think training camp is like three weeks away so we're really close um, yeah, me and Angus have been watching a lot of football, you guys. Uh, uh, let us know if we should talk about football on this podcast, because I know we are the full-court podcast, and we mostly talk about the bas- basketball and Kings. Um, but shit, we watch enough football. We could talk about football, too. Yeah, I, I've grown from being casual in football to being a pretty pretty good fan. I think I know enough about the game and the players and each team. But I don't, I don't know. Maybe a football football yeah. spinoff of the full court. What would we even name it? Well, also, also both of us have never played football, so I don't know if we're the most qualified to talk about football. Uh, but yeah, I mean, shit. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, if we drop another pod before the season starts. Yeah, we'll we could be. Football, what are you talking about? Mike Mike McDaniel never played football, and now he's the greatest, best coach in the league right now for the Miami Dolphins. And by the way, you. Here, season two, episode one. You're hearing it from me on this basketball podcast. The Super Bowl will be the 49ers against the Dolphins. I just want to put it out there on the airways. But that's like that's like the obvious take. Like everyone's saying that right now. And like last week, it was the Cowboys and the Niners, and then fucking Stephon or Trayvon Diggs or whoever, whichever Diggs is on that team, gets hurt, and now all of a sudden the Cowboys lose to the Cardinals and blah blah blah. It, I think that would be a great matchup, but you can't forget about Mahomes, man. Like, like Mahomes isn't just gonna lay over and let the Dolphins. Well, I just think it's extreme. It's extremely hard to go back to back in the NFL, and you rarely see teams go back to back. And that's why I don't think the Chiefs will make it to Super Bowl. That's te- that's terrible reasoning, bro. That can't be the only reason why they don't make the Super Bowl. I just think that. Tyreek Hill currently is playing on an MVP level. I don't think. No, he's he's a dog. And he's on my fantasy team. Tyreek Hill might be better than Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson gets the stats, but he also plays for a losing team. Yeah. Justin Jefferson is really, he's, he's really nice too. Um, Angus, I, I, asked, I asked a couple people this question, and I want you guys to answer this too. Like, I, I think we'll put up a poll when this episode drops. But what is more like clean? Like, is okay a killer crossover where like like a Kyrie Irving crossover or like an AI cross where like they dribble they do the cross and bro is over there you know what I mean like way over there or 
when the receiver catches the ball and he's running left and he goes heem and goes right you know what i mean and the fucking defender flies to the left like what's more clean like an ankle breaker crossover or like an ankle breaker like heem i think there's probably recency bias but i definitely think the jukes the jukes especially when it's like, like heems, a, bro. yeah it's insane like, like when you push the push like get off of me you're making a defender Bro, miss, also and you're probably, making a grown man look silly on a football field of grass. Like, you're treating that yeah, grown man like, like a kid. fly by. And you're, like, pushing them off of you. Like, that shit's satisfying, bro. It just... Yeah, maybe maybe we'll have to give football this one. At the same time, we we just we are so like uh, we we have no idea what that's like. We've never done it. Nothing like that. We've never even, like, tried to do it. So maybe just the lack of... <laughs> The lack of knowledge is at why end, we're so at, fascinated. With at it. the end of the day, we're casuals. We're we're football casuals, but basketball diehards. All right. No, what for more, sure. We're what more can you casuals. expect from us? Yeah, maybe maybe one day we'll just be like Stephen A. and just fucking know everything about everything. Ah, all right. Let's get him on this podcast. We can talk about that. I think I think that's gonna <laughs> wrap it up for our emergency slash uh, season opener podcast, folks. Thank you guys for listening, yes, and we just want to deeply apologize for our lack of standards during the summer and lack of posting. But I promise and lying you, to you guys, that's gonna change. Season two was a new season, bro. We straight up lied to these people, bro. <laughs> I know, but we we won't lie again. We won't lie again. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> hey, I like to say it's all my fault, but but Angus, don't be Angus, be quiet too, bro. Yeah, I be MIA sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, but, y'all. We appreciate y'all. Hopefully, and, we'll see y'all next week or or before the season starts. But uh, we're gonna do our best because me and Angus gotta make that sh money. You feel me? We have jobs and shit and girlfriends. And we don't have sponsors, so get us a sponsor, and we can c- keep <laughs> making these episodes. Factual. All, all right, y'all. Appreciate y'all. We'll see you. will see. We'll see y'all soon. And look out for that. Look out for that new logo, bro. Bro, Angus is gonna go crazy on this new logo. Bro, I swear to God. Yup. All right. Peace. All right. Peace.